brethren, Brother Bob here again. This is part two of my podcast topic, Who Says That Christians Are No Longer Under the Law? In the first podcast, I told you that I believe that keeping the Lord's laws serves a sixfold purpose for those believers who choose to obey God's commandments. I have already been through three of my six purposes, but I'm going to quickly reiterate those first three purposes. However, let me say that there are actually believers in the church who do believe that today's church people are no longer under the law. Now, any believer who says that is either ignorant of biblical truth or just plain spiritually dull. I am aware that most who believe that Christians are no longer under God's laws do not have a clue what they are saying. Do they believe that believers are no longer expected to be under, let's say, God's laws for things like adultery, homosexuality, how about incest? Is that sin no longer a law of God? So do you believers who truly think that God's people are no longer under God's law believe that God's children no longer need to stop doing things like gossiping, coveting, stealing, being bitter? Are Christians free to commit sins like jealousy and revenge because they are no longer under God's laws? Now I know that what I just shared is absurd to many believers, but please understand that there are many in the church who genuinely believe that since they are no longer under God's laws, it is pretty much anything goes because of God's grace. Now, I talked about this in the last podcast, but the brethren need to understand that the verse that says God's people are no longer under the law has got nothing to do with not obeying God's commandments. Listen to part one of this podcast where I clarify what the Apostle Paul meant when he said that believers are no longer under the law but God's grace. So back on topic. In the first podcast, I told you that I believe that keeping the Lord's laws serves a six-fold purpose for those believers who choose to obey them. Again, I've already gone through three of them. I'm going to just reiterate them. Number one reason for Christians who obey God's laws is that it keeps us in a personal abiding fellowship with their Heavenly Father. There are lots and lots of verses showing the necessity of obeying God's commandments, i.e. laws, if a believer truly is going to be in fellowship with the Lord. Here are two simple ones. Christ is speaking. John 15, 14. You are my friends if you do what I command. Notice the conditional if word. Listen, brethren, no matter how sweet your worship songs sound Sunday mornings and no matter how sincere your prayers are, if you are not obeying God's commandments, which are his laws, you are not and cannot be in a close relationship with the Lord. John 15, 9-10 says, Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, i.e. laws, you will abide in my love. Most believers do not understand that if they ignore God's commandments, i.e. God's laws, they are not abiding with Christ. Luke 8, 19-21, Then Christ's mother and his brothers came to see him, but they couldn't get to him because of the crowd. Someone told Christ, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they want to see you. Christ replied, my mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and obey it. Brethren, God's word is God's law. Another reason that Christians should obey God's laws is that obeying his laws keeps his church, i.e. body of Christ, functioning as a holy unit. 2 Corinthians 7.1, therefore having these promises, beloved Let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of the flesh and spirit, 
perfecting holiness in the fear of God. God's laws show God's people how he wants the church to run. Remember, God's laws are God's words. God's word says that if a Christian refuses to work when they can, is implied, then the church should not feed them. Ouch, where's the love, Paul? Could you just imagine what would happen if a pastor had the spiritual stones to obey God's word in this area of not helping lazy people? Now, I don't want to get sidetracked, but let me say this. This whole concept about helping homeless people goes against this very concept of not feeding lazy people. Now, I'm aware that there are some, I said some, homeless people who are homeless because life threw them a curve. However, by far, the vast majority of people who are homeless are homeless because they choose to live that lifestyle. And I'm not just spewing out rhetoric. The wife and I ran a rescue mission for homeless for years. But unlike most other homeless shelters, we had rules and guidelines for our mission home. Rules like, you can stay here as long as you get your butt out of bed every morning and go out and look for work, if you were able to go out and look for work, that is. So very few homeless stuck around once they heard this rule. We also had a rule that said, if we're going to help you out, you need to get off the drugs or the booze. And our Bible-based programs for cleaning up addicts and drunkards worked, but it was tough. So very few stuck it out. And we also told these homeless people that if they're going to stay here, they need to attend, attend Christian counseling sessions, Bible studies, and church services somewhere with a way for us to verify that they're doing it. But very few homeless obeyed this rule once they had enough money for more drugs or booze. Most days, the rooms in our mission home were empty be, simply because most homeless like being homeless. And that will be a different topic for a different time. God's word, which is God's laws, tell us what the qualifications are for church leaders. You are aware that there are qualification requirements for church leaders in God's word, aren't you? God's word tells us how to keep the leaven, i.e. sin, out of the church. Sadly, most in the church no longer even concern themselves about removing the leaven from the church. James 4.8 says, Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. That's written to the brethren. Now when the Lord uses the term leaven, he is speaking about those believers who are choosing to wallow in or enjoy their sin. Brethren, the leaven I speak of is the believer who knows the right thing to do, but ignores God's word, and no one in the church does a thing about it. Now I'm going to read some tough verses here that most times you're never going to hear these in your church. Pastors aren't going to teach this. People in Bible studies aren't going to teach this. Again, this is God's laws for how to run a church. 2 Thessalonians 3, 10 through 15. For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. For we hear that some among you are leading undisciplined lives, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in a quiet fashion and eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary of doing good. If anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of that person and do not associate with him, so that he will be put to shame. Yet do not regard him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Tough words, isn't it? Imagine that. Purposely putting a brother or sister to shame. Yeah, right. It's been a long time since believers were shamed by their disobedient behavior. Brethren, what I just read is God's laws for his church. 
Another reason for the importance of keeping God's laws is it tells the church how to properly use the gifts that have been handed out to the church. The good Lord has established rules and guidelines, i.e. laws, for exactly how he wants his church to run. And when we ignore them, we are in sin. Again, the third reason for Christians who obey God's laws is that obedience to his laws allows believers to become a shining testimony for Christ. Christians are supposed to be spiritual lights in a dark world. We most definitely cannot be lights for Christ if we are not keeping God's commandments. Matthew 5.16, Let your light shine among men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And brethren, the only good works that we can do that will glorify the Lord are going to be those good works that the Lord gave us to do according to his word. 1 Peter 2.12, Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the things in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. He might be the only true believer that a lost person ever meets face to face. So it is critical that we remind ourselves that the Lord might have us in the situation we are in simply so we can reach a lost person with the message of Christ. I am afraid that because so many believers have become self-focused, they might be losing out on the opportunity that the Lord has given them to be a light in the darkness. Brethren, many of us pray and ask the Lord to use us, and then when the Lord puts us into a situation we don't like, like maybe having a health issue, many Christians do not use those opportunities to share the gospel of Christ with those around them, but instead spend all their time whining and complaining and wondering why the Lord did this to me. Okay, so those first three were from the last podcast. I just went over them again. But here's a new reason why it's important for believers to keep God's laws. It is both spiritually and physically healthy for Christians to choose to obey the Lord's laws. 1 Corinthians 11, 28-30. This is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you in the church are weak and sick, and some have even died. The laws that the Lord gives his children are for their own good and for God's good. Our Heavenly Father is not some old curmudgeon God who purposely does stuff to be mean. However, he does not stop being a holy and just God simply because he is our Heavenly Father. James 1.21 Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is God's laws, which is able to save your souls. This verse is written to Christians, people who are already born again. The saving of the soul here in James 1, 1.21 is in regard to saving of believers' physical body and or eternal soul from the consequences of living an unrepented sinful lifestyle. There's a similar verse found in 1 Timothy 4.16. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things. For as you do this, you ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. God's word, obedience to God's word, is a very healthy thing for God's children. Notice that the words say persevere in the things of the Lord. That means that the believers should not just be dipping their toes into the water of God's word. They need to go for a full body wash of all of God's word. These words in James one twenty one and 
1 Timothy 4.16, which are directed towards believers, are written for us for a purpose. They are for our good. They are warning verses. The, the wages of sin is death. Scripture verse in Romans 6.23 is just as applicable today in the church as it was nearly 2,000 years ago. And again, it may be a no-brainer, but you need to be aware of the fact that sin is the result of disobeying God's laws, i.e. commandments. If we just do as our Heavenly Father commands us, we never have to worry about dying prematurely or being punished for our sin or just having a bad judgment. Okay? The Lord gave us those laws for reasons. We need to obey them. And like Christ said, if you really love me, not just telling me you love me, if you really love me, you're going to do what I say. And when he says do what I say, he means the entire word. Because Christ was God in the human flesh, but he was still speaking for the entire word. Remember, Christ was the word of God who was there in the beginning. Let me give you one easy example about God, God's law and the importance of it. God's law says do not be a drunkard. If a believer chooses to obey that law, they never need to worry about destroying their health because of alcohol abuse. However, if a believer chooses to unrepentantly ignore the commandment about not getting drunk, they will face the condemnation of not only their Lord and possibly the government authorities, because as amazing as it is, it is still a crime to be drunk in public. And if you're driving drunk, you're going to have some real serious issues. So do not get drunk is the law of God. If a believer chooses to get drunk, don't blame God for your problems. He told you not to do that. I could give you a long list of things. Jealousy, envy, revenge, bitterness. We know worrying. There's things that cause us physical harm in our body. Those are sins. And the Lord tells us to stop doing those because he knows they're bad for us. And yet we choose to ignore God's word and Many of us, in fact, I think many of us enjoy those sins of jealousy and worrying and bitterness and revenge and hate and gossip. Now, what I'm not teaching here is that a Christian's life is going to be a walk in the park if they just obey God's word. That's not what I'm teaching here. And I'm not saying that a believer has to walk sinlessly, righteously, perfectly with their Savior. None of us are capable of even coming close to doing that. We all live in a sin-cursed world. But there's a difference. It's all about attitude. It's about attitude of wanting to do what's right in God's eyes and trying to do what's right in God's eyes compared to those who just ignore doing what's right in God. Brethren, you need to understand there are consequences for disobeying the Lord, especially if it's an unrepented sin, if there's something we're just wallowing in. I want to share something you need to listen carefully. It's important. 2 Timothy 2, verses 11 through 13. Conditional stuff. Listen to what I'm going to share. It says it is a trustworthy statement. That means you can take it to the bank. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. Now that's talking about dying with him in our walk. Right? This is a conditional thing. If we endure, we will also reign with him. This talks about enduring in our walk, being faithful to the end. That talks about not growing weary, not giving up. That's what it means to endure. It doesn't mean to give them 30% of your life, 40%. It means to give them 100%. And when you fail, you get back up, repent, keep moving forward. But enduring means you're there for the long haul. It says, if we deny him, he will also deny us. Wow. But you don't hear that too often. Everybody says, oh, the Lord will never forsake us. The Lord will never deny us. That's not true. Christ himself said, if you deny me, 
before man, I'm going to deny you before my heavenly Father. These are warnings. This is right out of 2 Timothy. It says again, if we deny him, he will deny us. Can you imagine that? You get to heaven at the judgment seat, and the Lord says, Father, I don't know this guy. He was walking with me for a while, but then he walked away. Get him away from me. Wow. But the important verse here also is, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. A lot of people like to mess this verse up. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Do you know what's being said here? It's not being, what's not being said here is that God's going to be faithful and give us all these blessings and promises and do all kinds of great things for us even when we're not faithful. It's not saying that. This part of the verse, the Lord is telling his church-aged children that if they choose to live an unfaithful spiritual life, he, God, must be faithful to himself, i.e. to his word, and punish those children of his who unrepentantly disobey him, i.e. are unfaithful, just like he did to his children, disobedient, rebellious children in the Old Testament. Brethren, this verse means that the Lord must be faithful to his word, or else he could not be a trustworthy God. And God says, if you disobey me, there are going to be consequences. If you are a faithless believer, there are going to be consequences. The Lord is promising you that. And contrary to what you're taught, God's grace is not going to overlook our faithlessness. Please understand that. So point four is that keeping God's laws keeps us physically healthy and spiritually healthy. James five nineteen through 20 My brethren, if any among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death. That's written to believers, about believers, for believers. Okay, point five. Here's my fifth reason for Christians to obey God's laws is that obedience to his word is a way of showing the Lord that we truly love him. John 14, 21, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he or she who loves me. And he who loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him. When you truly love someone, you're going to go out of your way to show them that you care. You're not just going to give them lip service. Man, remember when you first fell in love? The word is love, not lust. You would have walked five miles in a steady rain going uphill in all directions just to spend some time with the woman you love. And if she wanted to go to a certain place, that's where you went. If she liked a certain kind of flower, you would have driven halfway around the world to find those special flowers for her. That woman could see how much you loved her because your desire to show her that you loved her proved to her that you loved her. Well, the Lord is watching to see if his children truly love him. Christ answered and said to them, If, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And he who does not love me does not keep my word. Ouch. I know a lot of people don't want to hear that. So here it is plain and simple right out of Christ's mouth. If you really love me, Christ says, it will be obvious because you will show me that you love me by keeping my word. There's another one, 1 John 5, 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. What this is saying is this is how we show God that we love him, by keeping his word. And it should not be burdensome. That means if you're learning and obeying God's laws, it should be not a struggle, should not be burdensome. You should definitely want to do these things to love the Lord. It's that simple. 
People need to understand that the Lord is not seeking only after warm, mushy feelings. God desires that his children show him that they love him by learning and then obeying his commandments, i.e. laws. So don't anybody tell you that we're not under the law. Okay, I went through the, if you look in part one, I explained about the Mosaic law, and there's a lot of laws that we're not under. But in the church age, there's a lot of New Testament church epistle laws that the Lord expects his children to obey or else. So brethren, biblically speaking, believers cannot truly love the Lord the way he wants to be loved without loving his word. As I share quite often in these podcasts, and I don't share it to be mean, it's just a fact, that many of those warm, mushy worship songs that we sing Sunday mornings mean nothing to the Lord if the ones singing them are not keeping, i.e. obeying, his commandments, i.e. laws. I know it's from the Old Testament, but there's uh, some really great lines. If you read Psalm 119, it's an amazing, it's an amazing chapter, but Psalm 119, 9 through 16, How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart, that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your ways. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have told of all the ordinances of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies. As much as in all riches, I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. Those are written by a man who truly loved the Lord. Now, the final biblical reason for God's laws to be obeyed is that if God's children keep God's laws, they can earn blessings or rewards and even attain to a better resurrection in eternity. Now, the reward aspects for serving the Lord should not be the Christian's main reason for serving him. But nevertheless, God did command believers to pile up treasures in heaven. Matthew 5, 18-19 For I truly say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass away from the law until it is all accomplished. Whoever then annuls one of these least of these commandments, and who teaches Others to also annul these commandments shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever keeps and teaches my commandments shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. You see the difference there. Those who keep and teach God's word are going to have a special honor in the kingdom. Those who do not teach and keep God's commandments, in fact, those who ignore or mock or ridicule God's commandments, are going to be remembered and shamed in God's eternal kingdom. So these verses speak of both honor and condemnation for believers in the heavenly kingdom. It's simple, brethren. If you choose to do as the Lord commands you in this life, you will hear, well done, good and faithful servant, at the judgment seat in the next life. However, if you choose to not do as the Lord commands you in this life, there will be condemnation at the judgment seat. The scriptures are loaded with examples of eternal benefits for those children of God who are faithful to God's word. There's a really good verse in John 5, 28 through 29, and the Lord again speaking to his followers. He's not talking to lost people. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth. Those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life. Those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. 
There's a consequence for how we lived our life down here. 1 Timothy chapter 6, 18 and 19. Instruct the rich to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Brethren, the good Lord did not give us all those church commandments, hoping his children would ignore them. And no matter what those grace, grace, grace believers tell you, a God-pleasing life, Christian life, is not all about God's grace. By that I mean that the Lord doesn't do everything for us, brethren. He expects us to use the abilities that we have and the abilities he might have gave, gave us in a way to glorify him. We can do that. We can choose to do that. All the rewards and benefits and eternal blessings are based on what we choose to do for the Lord. And yes, God's grace is here when we need it. But for a lot of things in our life, we can just choose to do the right thing. The unsaved world is full of people who choose and do the right thing. Yes, God's grace is there when we need it, but it's not a crutch or a wheelchair that the Lord expects us to ride around in all day, letting him do everything for us. It doesn't work that way. Our pleasing to the Father Christian life involves us choosing to keep our Heavenly Father's commandments, i.e. laws, which are applicable for the church age, with a godly attitude and a perseverance spirit. So I gave you six reasons why I believe it is important for God's people to obey, i.e. be under God's laws. Again, Christ's words, Christ said this. He said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And he also said, you are my friends if you do what I command you. That means if you keep my laws. Your friend in Christ, Brother Bob. Stay in the word, be faithful. The only way to know a biblical truth from a biblical lie is to know your scriptures. And sadly, there's a bunch of spiritual ignorance in the church that are teaching sheep that they should be studying their Bibles. And you can't sit down and learn God's word. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? Again, the only way you're going to know if that pastor or shepherd or Bible teacher is teaching you the truth is if you know your scriptures. Don't just accept something coming out of some spiritual man's mouth as being biblical truth because he says it is. You need to verify truth with the truth of God's word. Again, you get a hold of me at brobob4him at gmail.com.